Hi everybody, it's Neil Kelders here and welcome back to my podcast, Back on Track. First and foremost, thank you very, very much for listening to episode one. There was over 750 plays for my first episode, which is incredible. I didn't expect that at all. And the comments and feedback have just been amazing. So uh, you guys are inspiring me to continue on and uh, get out of my comfort zone and continue this process. So we have episode two. Uh, it's Paddy's weekend here in Dublin, so it's a bit of a hectic weekend with everything happening. I personally kept it quiet. I've um, a race coming up next week, a 52 kilometer mountain run, which is uh, something I used to do years ago. I haven't done in ages. So this is my first long run like this, I think in four years. So I've been training on the mountains, keeping quiet, as quiet as possible. Um, went for a run yesterday on the mountains. Beautiful, actually. It was amazing. If you check my Instagram, uh, Neil Kelders, you'll see some of the photographs. Just, just spectacular scenery here on the Wicklow Mountains. Um, I actually injured myself. I, I pulled my calf. So for 10 kilometers, I had to walk and hobble back. Um, and it was much more uh, a mental a mental uh, strength test and a physical strength test to get back to where we were. Uh, just got back in time. The hail was just coming uh, to open up on top of us, but uh, we made it. So hopefully I will be okay for my run next week. Sorry for going on there, but uh, what I'd like to do as well is I'd like to read you um, a poem from the script that I've written. Um, the script I've written is called DNA and as I was writing the poem, one of the characters, it seemed right that he would express himself through poem. Uh, it's very basic. I don't even know if it is what you would call a poem, but it's something that I think will uh, give you more of an insight into where I was at in my life. And uh, that's what this character does in the play. He, he, he will tell the audience. Uh, it'll be a moment between himself and the audience. So uh, I was going to keep this under wraps, but no, I, I want to open this up and and give you that insight straight away. So what I would try to do is build where I was at and show you how my journey out, out of this with this depression, with this anxiety tagging onto me and how I've maneuvered my way um, over the last four to five years and how I plan to keep going. So um, yeah, I'd, I was thinking of a story came to me actually. Um, I think I was six years of age and it was Christmas time, and this Christmas stands out an awful lot for a couple of reasons. First of all, we spent the Christmas in a hotel in Galway. I think around 84, 1984, and uh, we got to stay there for a couple of nights. Um, I was worried, of course, would Santa be able to find me? Um, and he did, and how I know he did, because I got one of my best presents ever. It was a little rally car, so a little plastic uh, rally car that I used to pedal around, you know? Um, it was blue and had an orange visor and uh, geez, yeah, I loved it. I was cool. I had pity for the guests uh, that Christmas in the hotel because I was flying around the corridors. I was, I was like, um, I was like Michael Schumacher. But um, yeah, I remember that. It was great. It was a good experience. But why it stands out as well is because I remember and like you got to think I was six years of age. So I remember this for a reason. I woke up one night kind of calling out for my mother and there was no answer. Um, it was pitch dark in the room. I had woken up. I must have maybe had a dream or something and I was calling out for my mom and there was no answer and I was getting, you know, anxious. 
and uh, I started to cry and scream out her name a bit. Um, still no answer. So I went, hopped out of the bed. Um, yeah, I braved the monsters under the bed. I hopped out of the bed and I remember going to the door. And has this ever happened to you in the pitch dark and you've gone to the door, maybe as an adult after a few pints, and you're looking for the handle of the door, but you can't find it. And you know your brain is telling you, no, it's here somewhere. And you're just, you just, you're reaching all over the place. You can't find it. So I'm six years of age. I'm in the dark. I've had a bad uh, dream. I'm feeling alone. I'm feeling lost. I'm screaming out for help from my mom. No one's answering and I can't get out of this darkness. That's how my depression felt to me. I was lost. I was alone. I know there was support on the other side somewhere. I couldn't find it. I couldn't get out to access it. I was totally lost and I was going to give up because that was my reality. And I believe that was my reality for the rest of my life. And I remember that as a six year old in that room. And that's exactly what it felt like with my depression. You know, don't worry. My parents were downstairs having food and there was a woman coming around. She was checking up on uh, certain rooms where kids were on their own asleep. Um, so my mom, yeah, she came up very, very quickly and obviously jumped into her arms and uh, very upset. But that shows you that there's always a support there for you. That you need to keep keep going in order to get it. Keep opening your mouth, keep talking, as I said in the last episode. So that's what it felt like trying to reach open a door in the darkness after some bad experience, some dream, and not not being able to find a way out and going to give up eventually. That's that's what it felt like. So if you don't mind, I hope that makes sense for people. Um, and I, I, I presume a lot of you um, will understand what I'm talking about. And for those of you that, those of you that haven't suffered from depression and anxiety, sorry, um, I hope it gives you a little bit more of an insight of the darkness, the emptiness and, and the loss. You're just, you know, just so alone and lost, broken. So this is the, the, the poem that's part of my script. Um, and I'll just read it and we, we can have a little chat about it after. <coughs> Excuse me. I want to die. Why? I know you don't know. I know I don't show. But I want to die. It's nothing new. No, it's not you. But I do want to see it through. I just have to. It's been with me for eternity. It's my only certainty. Pills hang, drown. No more having to act the clown. I can't do this anymore. It's time to be called. It's time to be called ashore. I promise you I've tried, but all I can do is hide. I've tried everything, can't you tell? I need to break free from this hell. I need to follow the bright light. That's why I can tell you my end is in sight. 
There are good days too, but they are very, very few. They go by so fast all the time, and then I'm back here in this darkness of mine. I'm so alone. I have family and friends aplenty, but yet I still feel so empty. I am so alone in my constant battle zone. Lost. My life, it's glossed. Everyone else gets it, but me, I'm doing the same old shit. Going round in a circle, bouncing off hurdle after hurdle. Yeah, I know, I know. It's the only way to grow, to talk. But every time I bloody balk, all we hear is find an ear. I'll tell you to talk, even use some chalk. But who really wants to hear? Nobody, I fear. It's easy for you at your peak, pleading with me to speak. It's easy for you and you. It's all I have ever wanted to do, to share, to share with you my great despair. Nobody wants to hear me whine. Nobody has the bloody time. Nobody wants to hear my shit. I guarantee you'd get up and split. You all have enough on your plate. You don't need me in this state. Yes, bloody yes, I want to die. For me, my life, I can't justify. You say I'm the apple of my family's eye. How can that be when my life's a lie? This, this is a mask, you see. It is truly not the real me. I am surrounded by love. Family and friends think I'm the gov, but I still have to go. No, uncle, please say it ain't so. I'm sorry I have to die. This, this will be our last goodbye. I know you will crave my touch. You will miss me so, so much. But I am just so out of touch. I'm really tired of needing a crutch. I will not be there to make a cuddle. I will not be there for a family huddle. I will not be there to see you score. I will not be there anymore. Yes, that is what I said. Because I will be dead. Please forgive me. It was meant to be. Please don't hate. I didn't want to debate. I just had to go. Believe me. My decision was slow. I've nothing more to show. I'm just so tired, you know. Life has left me uninspired. At this point, I'm just wired. Alas, I need to sleep. I needed to stop. No buzz, no peep. I can't do it anymore. My mind and body are battered and sore. It'll never end. To you all, my love I send. I would love to give it a voice, but now, now I have no more choice. It's time to close my eyes to the world. So, <clears throat> thanks for listening. That's, that's the poem. Um, which I think gives you a good insight into where I was at. What I believed, I tried, I tried to reach out, I believed that. I believed that, which I actually didn't. Um, I just believed life was the same crap going around. 
that that's how it was always going to be. It wasn't meant for me, you know. Um, yeah, it's it's bringing back a lot of a lot of thoughts. You know, you do think about when you think have suicidal thoughts and when you think you want to leave this world. You know, you do think about the after effects, you know, who it's going to affect, how it's going to affect them. But the want to die, the want to go so strong because you can't keep, you're exhausted, you can't keep going on like this and there's no way out. So it's like me as that kid in the room, the bedroom in the hotel. It's dark, I'm screaming, I'm getting exhausted, I'm getting panicked. I can't find my way out. Eventually I'm going to stop and give up, right? And that's what was happening. I've also done a video, um, a recorded video one night about, yeah, it was time to close my eyes to the world. And I play it sometimes at workshops or, or conferences. And uh, it gets me, it just shows how empty I was. You can hear in my voice. And a lot of time when I'm speaking with people that I know they're very, very low, the, your voice, it's weird. It's hard to describe. It's like this empty tone nothingness it's a battered empty tone a defeated tone and uh, if you watch this video it's on my YouTube or it's on my blog as well um, which is neilkelders.com but you can hear this emptiness and I've gone and I've just accepted that nothing's ever going to change and and uh, yeah that it's time to go but of course, nothing is ever going to change if you don't change, if you don't do something to change. So for me talking, that was the beginning of my change, the unraveling of my um, hidden self, I suppose. So when I talk, talked for the first time, remember I told you to my sister-in-law, and my brother came in and, you know, had that great hug. And we sat down and he said, look, he called Pieta House. And Pieta House is this organization I told you in the last um, podcast. Um, dealing with people um, contemplating suicide and, and engaging in self-harm. So I, I eventually agreed to go to Pieta House. And we were going that day. They were bringing me in straight away. And I remember we were driving there. And I wasn't doing it for me, I was doing it for my family, which is mistake number one. You have to do things for yourself, for you. You're the core, you're the beginning of it all. It's with you it starts. You've got to build yourself, accept what you have, accept where you are, and then build, build that core. Use those supports then around you. So we're driving there and I remember we're pulling into one of the Pieta House um, locations. So I don't know what to expect. I, I, you know, here's a guy that's suicidal. We're bringing him in. It's like, you know, am I going under dark corridors into, you know, so no one can see me or, or uh, <clears throat> under the darkness of night? You know, I, I didn't know what to expect at all. And, you know, the people that... Uh, greet me at the door do we call ahead that I'm coming you know 
what happens in a situation like this. And so what happens is you park your car, you walk in the door and there's reception there. And there's people in the waiting area. And this is so surreal, like I'm there, what? So you're telling me these people in the waiting room have suicidal thoughts as well. It's like a, a reception area. It's, it, you're waiting for your appointment. Very, very strange. Um, and I suppose it just shows you know, it's the, the amount of people going through what I was going through. It was busy in there. There were, well, not too busy, but obviously people coming in and out and, and phones ringing. And um, I thought I'd be hidden away so people, I wouldn't be exposed. People wouldn't be able to see me. And what hit me when I went there was the amount of young people waiting teenagers it was incredible I just it just slapped me in the face I was like oh my god what what do these kids you know why would they be thinking like this why would be self-harming or have suicidal thoughts and then it slapped me in the face that was me that was me 20 years ago I was exactly like those kids going through a hard time you know, and we sometimes we don't see that. We don't see it in ourselves. We can see it in other people, whatever, whatever that is. And I had to wake up and realize and accept that I wasn't accepting what was happening to me. 21 years of not accepting is a long, long time. Whereas these kids, these teenagers, I pat them on the back because for me, they're 20 odd years ahead of me. They've talked, they've opened up, they're on the right track, which is amazing. I, I, I've, I've talked to a lot of teenagers working with schools and uh, one comes to mind in particular two actually, and they contacted me after a workshop and they felt they couldn't go on. This girl felt she couldn't go on um, and she left her number and I, I called her. I, I just had to call her straight away because this is very important. Then I contacted a teacher. The teacher contacted a parent, but she was lost. No one knew her parents didn't know. She had it hidden. And luckily enough, she had a brother in, her in his 20s. And he had friends that were going through the same kind of issues as she was, and he was able to um, um, talk to the parents and talk to her, so it was really good. And then a couple of years later, which is great, she sent a, a thank you card. She was in college, she was enjoying life, living life. That's amazing. The first thing I told her when she was on the phone, I said, I'm so, so proud of you because you've reached out. You've done something I couldn't do. It took me over 21 years to do. That is incredible. That's incredible strength. You know, and because she she was able to speak out and reach out, one of her friends, he also did the same, had a knock on effect, which is incredible. And that's what I hope from this podcast, from me sharing, from me working in the areas to share. Sharing has a knock on effect. People feel comfortable with you and they will tell you their story.
right? Remember, guys, I'm not an expert on this. You know, I have uh, a background in the area in physical health, mental health, but I'm not even an expert on myself. I'm learning all the time. So I want to share with you and maybe you can take something from that. So yeah, I went to Pieta House and they brought me in and I was assessed and they appointed a counsellor to me. And I just thought this wasn't going to work at all. I'll just go through the motions, nod the head. Yeah, I won't speak. And it's amazing. Once you're in one of those sessions, you just talk. And I had a really, really good counselor because she analyzed, assessed me while I was in there. And then she, I think it was the second or third session, she said, Neil, I know what, how I'm going to have to work with you. I'm going to have to challenge you safely, obviously, but I'm going to have to challenge you. And that's what I wanted to hear. Some, I needed someone to challenge me. I didn't want the same, you know, you, you know, let's open up about your childhood. No, I didn't want that. I wanted someone to challenge me. You know, yeah, I suppose bring me out of my comfort zone to, you know, let's, I want to get some answers. That's what I wanted. And I went for like 30 sessions. They extended my sessions. And then that counselor said to me, coming towards the end, which I thought was amazing. She, she put her ego aside and she said, I can't take you any further, meaning that she knew I was reverted back to telling her what she wanted. I was, I, I was, in a sense, I was done with her, done with that process, done with that counselor, that I needed to be moved on to some other stage or someone else because I was just giving her, you know, ready-made answers. And it was amazing that she was able to see that. And it was amazing she was able to admit that. It was incredible. Um, I needed to stand up and be counted, I think. I, I, I felt that, okay, I have all these supports around, but something started to dawn on me. I needed to win from within. I needed to address things myself. Stop. Take a look at what's affecting me and try to address it myself. And that's what I set about doing. Um, you know, I did a lot of things. So, I, I, you know, the medication, the counselling, the exercise. So give you an insight into, we'll talk more about this again, but get this. I'm a fitness trainer. I train people. I've motivated people. I've got great testimonials from people. Um, I've coached people in certain areas about eating, about uh, um, lifestyle, etc. Getting back on track. I couldn't do that for myself. I didn't train. I was training other people for events, things like that. I didn't train. I started to put on a bit of weight, lose a bit of weight. Um, I'd eat a lot of crap uh, when I was low. Just, I wasn't living a good lifestyle. So what I had to do, this, this is where it was at. I wanted to start getting back into exercise again. And I remember the first day I decided I would. I put on my exercise gear, I was at home. So my t-shirt, my shorts. And I just walked around the house in that, in my, in my exercise gear. That was it. That was it. The next day I did the same thing, but I put on my runners and I walked outside. So I started to do this three, four days. This is, this is it. This is it. Just get trying to get, start a habit. 
then I remember, I think it was the fourth day, put on my t-shirt, put on my shorts, put on my runners, went outside, started to run. And I got five minutes down the road and my head was thoughts, 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 thoughts. Then I felt like this darkness covering, it's weird covering my brain, you could say. Covering, covering and stop. Back into bed, three days. That was it, five minutes, I lasted five minutes. You're battling, even to this day. When I'm, even uh, yesterday, we were driving to the mountain to go running. I'm in my gear, we're ready to go, and I'm there now, I don't want to do it, I don't want to stop, what are you doing? You know, my head is going like that, stop, stop. But now I'm just driving through that. Now I don't think, and my biggest tip here is don't think. The worst thing you can do is press your snooze in your, uh, on your alarm clock, because it's giving you time to your body to think, your head to think, ah, no, you're comfortable, stay here. Just hop out of the bed. What I do now is I just put on my training gear, I don't think, and I go. I just go. Because the feeling after exercise is incredible, right? You just feel so, so good. But yet, even if you have that feeling afterwards, it's a battle then the next time to get going again. And don't worry, I have this as well. But I'm going to battle through this, I'm going to keep going. And, but that's where I was at with my exercise. And with a lot more things, I had to go back to basics. And then if I missed a day training, I had to forget about it, forget about it, don't worry, it's gone. Move on to the next day. Writing is another big thing, so that's why I've written a script. I, I love writing, that's why I started a blog. Um, and before I go into the writing, I just wanna read this. This uh, was a, um, a piece from a friend of mine. So when I revealed about my depression, I just want to, you to know that no one knew. Nobody knew at all. I, I, was, I was able to, that's why I hope I'll be a good actor because I was able to mask this so well, as many of us are. So this is a buddy of mine and I have it dated here, the 19th of December, 2014. He wrote a comment on one of my blogs <clears throat> and I'm just gonna read it to you. I know Neil well for about eight or nine years and lived with him for one of those years. Uh, so we lived together in Dublin when he was studying in, in um, three of us uh, from Clarny lived together. He, they were studying law and I was just moved here to set up business and, and get away from Clarny, run away from my problems, so I thought. I would never have known, or as he would say, noticed that Neil was suffering in the way he was and is. When he told me one night earlier this year what was really going on in his life, I was shocked and surprised to say the least. Mostly because at any stage in my life when times were tough, Neil was one of the first people I would have talked to and still is. Never want to turn away from a challenge, I am hopeful that the road that Neil is now on will open people's eyes and minds to noticing the issues people face. As Neil says, it's the no scene which is difficult and I can vouch for that. So he's saying there that he never noticed that I was going through so much crap. And <clears throat> I, he was going through stuff at the time with girlfriends or whatever and, and he, he spoke to me about it. You know, and, and I was able to give, offer advice. But yet I wasn't able to take that advice on board for my own self, you know. It's often easier to externalize and look at other people and help other people rather than help ourselves. 
uh, I, as I was going, this is a, a presentation I was doing and I just looked, so I used to write every day how I was feeling, kind of track it in a sense. This is the 30th of September 2014. I wrote, how can I be low? It is 5.45 a.m. How the hell is it possible to be low? I have just got out of bed, which I have been in since 10 p.m. <clears throat> Doesn't mean I was sleeping, but I was in bed. I said, there's nothing affecting me. How can I be so low? This is the 3rd of July, 2014. I dragged myself out of bed. I really don't want to be alive. Just let me go. Let me be free. I can't do this. I don't want to anymore. It's too hard. It is never ending. And that's what it felt like, as I said to you. It's, it's like a never-ending story. The 8th of October, 2013. It is inevitable. Death. No. Not old age. Self-inflicted. Overdose. Hanging. Jumping crashing so I have many more days that I felt like this and I wrote it down and writing is a, is a release as well it's like you've addressed the situation and it gives you a bit of a reprieve <clears throat> but these are just three examples of how I how again how I was feeling constantly for 21 years constant 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 and it drags on you and it drains you As I've said, I'm here, and I'm here, and many other people are as well, to tell you that it is very possible to address your issues, whatever they are, and your depression or your anxiety or any other mental health disorder or any physical uh, illness or disorder you have doesn't define who you are. It's only a small part of you. And actually, my depression and anxiety now has opened up a, more opportunities, a different life for me. I'm living a truer life now that I have opened up about it. The life I want to live. There's no more hiding. You know? Life is too short to hide. Life is way too short to hide. So we're all in this together. Let's work at this together. And I'm here. If anybody needs to contact me, do so. Um, I've, I've talked to a lot of people and had great conversations. And it's amazing how some of our issues, the similarities we have. But as I told you in the story previously, I couldn't find... I couldn't find the handle to get out of that dark room, but now I have. And sometimes it closes over a little bit, but now my, my, my screams are heard. My reaching out is heard, and I do it over and over again when I need to. And I'll tell someone I'm not having a good day today if I'm not having a good day. Never be embarrassed, never be ashamed. And for those that aren't suffering, ask someone how they are. Ask. Don't be afraid to ask. Ask. It's better to know than not to know, right? It's better to know than not to know. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. 
I hope that gave you a bit of an insight of, of what I was going through, where I was at, and how low I was, and how low others are as well around us. So be mindful of yourself and be mindful of others. Thank you for listening. And I'll talk to you very, very soon. This is Neil signing off from episode two, Back on Track. Thank you very much. Bye.